Alright, it's time for another episode of Dark Green Anarchy. I'm your host, High Priest Wombat. I'm sitting here at uh, my place uh, down here in Pike County, Ohio. Um, got my doggo, Baxter Buddy Boy. Uh, I got my fire stoked and I got some coffee going. Well, already got. Just chilling here. Um, so yeah, uh, I just... Uh, oh, about a few days ago, got uh, Twitter going. Uh, you can reach me on Twitter through at HP Wombat. Um, you know, just uh, starting that stuff. I've never really done Twitter. Uh, I've thought about it. I put it off because I got Facebook. I'm like, eh, I don't really need to get into a bunch of, uh, you know, social media and stuff like that. Whenever I go to like, like I've got Pinterest and Instagram and all these other like uh, stuff, TikTok, and um, you know I like TikTok for viewing, but I don't really want to do videos. And uh, Instagram, I don't really uh, participate in making hokey images. And same thing with Pinterest. Uh, you know, it's more for viewing rather than doing. But Twitter, uh, I feel like I can still generate a little bit more of a conversation than I can just um, on the fly. I uh, also got a uh, Discord on the Discord server. Uh, you can come through uh, the Society Dispatch on Facebook, and uh, I'll hook you into our Discord server, which is basically the same. I'm not really sure uh, about searching for servers. I don't know if you can do that or not. You probably can. Uh, so, yeah. Um, when I got to Twitter, though, I uh, saw that Kevin Tucker's there. Uh, which I thought was kind of funny. Uh, Mr. Suffocating Void himself. Uh, but he's putting out some um, just regular boring leftist uh, kind of views, uh, you know, that barely break the surface, complaining about Donald Trump and the elections and stuff like that. I'm like, eh, you know, like, I figured that if you're going to be Mr. Anarcho Pernivist and, you know, the, the most edgy of all the edges, you would be uh, uh, so sharp that you wouldn't uh, have to, you know, get blunt with it and just uh, doing boring stuff. Uh, you know, stuff that I could uh, find on some average, regular, like, anarcho-communist uh, type of uh, Facebook page or whatever. You know, go to Anarchismo or go to uh, It's Going Down or sub-media or any of those other kind of more basic. I don't hate those uh, groups that much. I I kind of disagree with them, uh, but also I, I think they're kind of basic. It's stuff that like somebody that might be like, oh, I don't want to be a Democratic uh, Party member anymore, and I feel a little more edgy than the Democratic Socialists, so where do I go? You know, then you end up with them. You know, meanwhile, uh, you know, where I feel that dark green anarchy is, our umbrella, where I feel this is, you know, nihilism, egoism, and stuff like that, uh, anti-civ, uh, uh, eco-extremism, misanthropy, anti-humanism, uh, this is a little bit deeper, you know, uh, it's not the deepest, you know, if you, uh, remember the iceberg meme, you know, you see this shit at the top, that's kind of what I was just talking about, and the deeper you dive the more uh, dark it gets. 
And that's uh, kind of where we're at. We're, we're down there with the deep sea creatures uh, that create their own light. Sipping my coffee. Uh, yeah, it's pretty early out here, uh, Pike County, Ohio. Um, you know, I'm in the middle of forest, uh, raising chickens. I uh, don't uh, really talk too much about it because most of the time when I do the shows, I'm in Columbus, Ohio. This is in Southern Ohio, though. Uh, I'm going to be living down here permanently soon. I'm kind of still transitioning uh, to live down here. It's been about a year since I've been down here. Actually, it has been a year uh, since I've officially been living down here as far as uh, having a place and stuff. But I've been, maintained my work throughout this whole entire time. Costs a lot in gas and travel and time and, uh, you know, having to work late too just uh, means that I'm even more isolated than uh, I care to be. I, I like my uh, isolation. I like not being bothered by people. I prefer company of animals over people you know, my dogs, my chickens. <clears throat> you know, I like uh, the company of the wilderness and the quietness of that. Well, at the same time, you know, if you're just alone with your thoughts and you don't have interruptions uh, through interaction, uh, or at least for me, I just, uh, you know, it becomes bothersome. You know, you got problems with nostalgia uh, creeping in and uh, just simple loneliness. You know, humans are social creatures. Uh, I don't want to deny that. Some people can be a little bit more uh, social than others. Uh, I just need to uh, have a, just a little dash of socializing, but I do need it. Um, I could uh, find other ways. There's a lot of people that can deal with isolation even more than I can. And I'm not, uh, <clears throat> you know, saying that isolation isn't uh, desirable completely. Uh, so, yeah. Um, basically... Um, I've been thinking a lot about uh, things like uh, technology and civilization, gatherer-hunter type of shit, or hunter-gatherer, depending on how you want to say it. Now, uh, it was, uh, you know, starting with Zerzan, he, he made a kind of emphasis as gatherer-hunter and how you can um, <clears throat> subsist pretty well just uh, primarily with gathering and hunting was kind of a supplement to the gathering. But the more I uh, interact with people that uh, practice more regularly, uh, let's say like the feral culture um, group up in Alaska, they have a, it's now a cabin lab, uh, but they did a show on Discovery Channel called 100 Days Wild. Uh, a bunch of drama with the show, of course, uh, and less about actual survival is more about the drama that's going on while you're trying to survive but I enjoyed it uh, and I uh, since I know the fellow Andrew uh, and Jennifer through um, Facebook and uh, through interacting on uh, a few other websites uh, kind of ironically introduced when I was interacting with Kevin Tucker uh, kind of uh, <clears throat> understand their perspective but they uh, you know, survive off of hunting uh, quite a bit. They supplement their uh, resources with, uh, I guess, the resources supplement the hunting rather than the hunting supplementing the resources. So, hunter-gatherer uh, does make more sense 
at least in their um, uh, direction. Now, if you're a vegan, uh, I've seen a lot of shows uh, like Naked and Afraid, <clears throat> where you're, uh, the people are kind of dropped off on a location, got to survive 30 days or <clears throat> longer if they're in a larger group setting, uh, trying to, uh, or 28 days or whatever it is, you know, basically a month, they got to survive um, just with what they can carry, like have like one tool, a little ba- a little satchel with a map, and of course their cameras and stuff because they uh, you know film their shows, but they don't have much else, anything, and they have to kind of start from ground zero uh, to survive, you know, go from surviving to thriving, uh, which is really the ultimate goal. Is like because hunter gatherers never really start from zero. There, there's uh, uh, you could have a catastrophe, and your hut could get smashed or uh, you could get chased away from your gear uh, by a, a apex predator or something like that. That would be examples of like uh, of people versus the wilderness uh, kind of causing a zero uh, start for a person. Uh, but most of the time, uh, people are going to be building from what they already have. Um, if you're nomadic, you're, uh, the way that even 100 Days Wild was kind of showing uh, is that even with a, the limited space that you have, you can just jump from camp to camp to camp, and you don't just have one location, but you also aren't just going from zero to zero to zero every time you move uh, nomadically. So once you have a camp established, you, like uh, when you come back to it, you just got to reawaken it just like kindling up a fire got a fire going here so you have your embers that are going to be sitting here uh, and then you just throw your shit on top of your embers to get the fire going that's kind of same thing with the setting up the camp because you've got the basis of the camp still there like your structures are still there they might be damaged need a little repair but you don't have to start from zero uh with them so that enables you to be able to um have more uh with less effort uh as time uh, progresses and then you have uh, more going on also uh, as generations go, you know, as your uh, unit, uh, your human unit, whatever you want to call it. I don't want to necessarily say family. Um, uh, the human unit <coughs> is a blend of, uh, yeah, family structure uh, with uh, a band structure, uh and you have nomadic individuals and smaller groups that come in and out of your band. Let's say you, you have a small little hunter-gatherer village. Uh, small and little are really relative. Um, you know, you could have 30, 60, let's say up to 200 people uh, pretty easily in the village. Even larger than that, I think, uh, like, some uh, bands can be considered bands still up to, like, around 500 people I could look into that to be certain but you're still dealing with a small number of people but it's by far not very small and that's kind of the basis of the bolo if you've heard Aragorn uh, talking about bolo bolo and stuff like that and uh, there's also free radical radio talks about the uh, um, the amount of direct interaction people can have with each other uh, you know, face to face and actually know people and stuff like that, that type of immediate, uh, 
uh, interaction, which is kind of my goal, is to have immediate interactions with people, uh, is around 500 people at most. Now for me, I would prefer groups uh, no bigger than a couple dozen. Uh, you know, you got enough people to where you can have your favorite people you interact with, but also you have the ability to be isolated. Uh, you're able to uh, get more going, but with those those sizes, this the, those size of groups aren't made up of just excuse me, uh, pure family groups, but rather you have families plus floating nomadic individuals plus uh, uh, adopted individuals. <clears throat> you might even like include in animals like dogs and stuff as uh, uh, even they could be domesticated, uh, not domesticated, but uh, uh, nomadic as well. Uh, you know, travel in and out, you know, if they've already grown accustomed to people, but let's say they uh, wandered off and they found this group or they were left behind by a family that, uh, you know, let's say they passed on or something like that. Then next thing you know, you have a, a dog that, uh, you know, wasn't originally a part of the group uh, brought in from somewhere else. So there's lots of different ways that uh, uh, bands can form. And it's best to break away from patriarchal um, uh, human structures uh, social structures, uh, cause you know, the, <clears throat> for me, my critique of patriarchy is more fa founded on the family unit, the traditional family unit and, and criticizing that, not just, uh, men versus women, the gender, uh, critique. I find that the gender critique is not expansive enough and it looks through the critique at a smaller lens. Uh, like the critique of identity is even linked to the the, the patriarchal structure because you have all of the um, other ways of being that have been forced away from the traditional family unit. And to me, patriarchy is tied, intrinsically tied to civilization. And uh, by essentializing the, the family unit, it's made it so that civilization <clears throat> must continue and then you also have property and all other stuff that also is tied with it that reinforces the um, the problems of civilization like you know the division of labor you know where you have gendered roles uh, uh, being overemphasized and essentialized yeah you know the the tendency for uh, cis males to hunt is there, you know, like there is a, 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 a overall tendency for them being hunting uh, uh, focused and stuff like that in most structures that people have looked at, but it's by far not essential uh, with a large uh, minority of women also participating and you can't ever predict which way an individual is going to go. Uh, you know, they themselves are the ones that determine that direction. Uh, just like, uh, you know, the tendency for uh, sexual relations uh, and how we define, like, tops and bottoms, male, female, uh, <coughs> uh, or uh, non-binary, uh, kind of uh, uh, other genders that kind of fall outside of these spectrums. You know, these uh, all can go in a variety of directions, uh, and the best hunters 
don't have to be the typical uh, or the expected. Uh, usually, when you have an un- unexpected uh, role taken on, that's what creates the unique uh, u- the uniqueness of your uh, unit or the units you interact with. Uh, you need that to define one from another in a healthy way. You know, it's good to be different. And it's good to interact with people in different ways and not be just all the same or, uh, you know, no one wants to be around a bunch of gray faces. And that's kind of where the critique of The Last Man is, is that The Last Man is is the one that's accepted patriarchy as a given uh, and doesn't try to break beyond that. Sure, you know, they're sedentary in uh, Nietzsche's view and stuff like that. But the sedentary nature that he's criticizing in the 19th century is hardly the sedentary nature of a person in the 21st century, uh, which is more hyper-sedentary than then. You know, what he might be seeing as last man behavior is the comfortable middle classes and working classes uh, kind of accepting their lot in life. When you look at a peasant, <clears throat> sure, you know, they work on a farm and they, they could be relatively comfortable in a patriarchal kind of structure and stuff like that, but you're still uh, having a break uh, outside of your comfort zone to uh, get things going. <coughs> you know, like you, uh, peasants supplemented their farming, their agriculture shit with hunting, for instance. And if they couldn't hunt, that kind of destroyed a lot of structure uh, for them to be able to maintain their way of life. Uh, you see this in the enclosure period of European life uh, that kind of caused uh, colonialism to become uh, more hyperinflated. Basically, the the pressing of capitalism towards uh, uh, enclosure or capitalists towards enclosure creating capitalism uh, also created colonialism and racism and uh, uh, heightened uh, problems like xenophobia uh, to where they had to be essentialized and even embraced uh, by uh, um, the peasants themselves in order for them to uh, interact Uh this by no means was essential. This is why there was so much conflict, so much war and strife in these periods because people conflicted with the order, the, the social order that was being created by the capitalist, <clears throat> by the uh, aristocracy that wanted to benefit from the rise of capitalism uh, and other upper class people that falls within that realm. <clears throat> high-ranking bureaucrats, uh, and etc., etc. Um, <clears throat> so, basically, yeah, the, um, so this is basically kind of where I'm at with, uh, patriarchy is that, you know, to be against civilization is to be against patriarchy, not, uh, for another version of patriarchy where, like, you have these, uh, war, ban kind of behavior. I've seen it happen before. Lauren Jarrick uh, put out a critique on why um, uh, primitivism without the anarcho makes him nervous. It's because you have all these people that feel 
that being any civilization means that you're going to fall back on the family structure uh, or a war band structure or something like that, which ultimately is uh, 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 still founded off of patriarchy. You're trained not to, um, you know, have your... <clears throat> you're trained to basically keep uh, 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 the structures going. Like, there is no reason to war with people um, if you don't have a structure that you're defending, ultimately. And, uh, you know, sometimes, you know, like, you could have, you know, I could see a bunch of different people, uh, different ways of being anti-patriarchal uh, people going on the offensive, but by and large, uh, war versus, like, a genocide uh, approach is also there. Um, this is something that uh, I've seen a lot, too, in the critique of... Uh, fascism and not just fascism but just nationalism in general and all that is that they're not looking for war necessarily with the people that they don't like they want to wipe them they want to wipe them from the face of the earth they want to destroy them uh and eliminate them annihilate them um just like someone that you find to be annoying uh you just kind of want to bip them you know and that's kind of what they see uh, you know, socialists and anarchists and leftists and all sorts of other types of people as uh, within this uh, uh, present order, <clears throat> they kind of see them as annoying uh, uh, people that they don't want in their life anymore uh, and they want to find reasons to destroy them. And uh, this is uh, also <clears throat> very foundational. This is why you can't just use the spectrum left versus right solely and you can't just say I'm not trying to be a leftist I'm going to try to ride the middle or something like like for some odd reason people think that you can be in the middle of this conflict and that's individualism that's not individualism that's uh, staking out a center position not an individualistic position unfortunately when you look at the spectrum uh, politically, you're still going to find yourself more on the left, uh, not because you're a leftist, uh, but because that's where the challenging of values is. The reinforcing of values is on the right. Uh, that, that's why it's confusing uh, when people talk about the left-right <laughs> position or let's say the four-point compass, you know, we have authority and anti-authority uh, versus the progress and reaction. So you have the compass of four points. You see this on the internet, the political compass memes and stuff like that where people make jokes and stuff. <clears throat> and uh, But you also have problems with what progress is. Social progress tied to the progress of, uh, of technology, science, innovation, and stuff like that. That's really two different types of progress, though... In some ways, they could be considered intertwined, but in other ways, they differ extensively. Let's take, like, the Russian nihilist experience. Uh, you have the agrarian socialist uh, kind of basis for the Russian nihilists, uh, who also were very much for science and, and uh, uh, stuff like that, but they didn't see... Uh, science and technology as destroying uh, the peasantry as much as uh, freeing them from 
uh, in aristocratic order. And they didn't see it going much further than that. <clears throat> Meanwhile, Marxism comes along and says uh, that not only uh, is uh, the new forms of uh, uh, progress going to free the peasant from peasantry and turn them into a working class, but that ultimate change in conditions is going to liberate them. But also you have to look at Marxism from the perspective that this liberation is by no means purely positive. Uh, it's actually the negative conditions of being in a working class structure that makes the worker want to rebel against it and destroy the, uh, the um, instruments of capital. Um, but this isn't largely taken on very strongly by Marxists. Marx himself uh, suggests it, but uh, in Marx's time, he didn't see capital fully risen. He saw it as rising, and he, he predicted that capitalism was going to go in the direction that it ultimately did. <clears throat> so he's largely correct in that kind of perspective, but the ultimate liberatory nature of working class being exposed to conditions and then rebelling against those conditions that got mitigated uh, while Marx saw that there would be a political triumph or a uh, social revolution through uh, the interaction of people uh, to capitalism largely it's like workers of the world you have nothing uh, but the chains so you're gonna break them and wipe the capitalists out uh, that, that that was a very limited uh, perspective. Uh, capitalism has largely figured out how to mitigate that, <clears throat> recuperate the worker struggle into capital. Uh, nationalism being one face of that that even existed prior to the advent of capitalism. I mean, it, it came with, but also, uh, you know, the English Civil War, the French Revolution, American Revolution... Haitian Revolution, all these things <clears throat> kind of occur with uh, all of this in mind. That you're having parts of nationalism blending in with other such things. Freddie Perlman talks about nationalism in a way that uh, suggests that the train uh, really caused the rise of modern nationalism. But I would say that colonialism and racism also played major roles the the uh the maritime empires uh, the us versus them uh aspects uh we're better than them uh aspects um all this uh plays into <clears throat> where our modern society comes from and to rebel against modern society is also to rebel against these structures that capitalism created and it's about destroying those structures rather than necessarily taking control of them and that's where Marxism largely failed, is that there's too much of this desire to... <clears throat> you can use the master's tools to destroy the master, yes, but to put on the hat of the master and pretend that you're somehow freeing yourself is a joke, because it's just, you know, <clears throat> meet the new boss, same as the old boss. I mean, you know, that's... Uh, you know, probably just as good of a critique of capitalism as it is a critique of Marxism. All right, I'm uh, coming close to the half hour mark. Uh, so I'll go ahead and wrap this up. Um, 
Uh, as I was saying before, uh, catch me uh, on Twitter at HP Wombat. Uh, catch me on Facebook at The Society Dispatch. Uh, we have a Discord that you can reach us through Society Dispatch. And you can come online and chat with me on our Discord server. Um, and, uh, you know, I want to interact with more of you guys, uh, girls. And uh, however, I like to use guy in a gender neutral kind of way, uh, you know, a general, uh, perspective, you know, just like at one point, you know, people had certain terms for interacting that are just broadly gender neutral, but saying things like, I'd like to interact with all of humanity and the individuals that encompass it in, you know, in such a very broad way is confusing. We can, uh, speak from the hip, no problem. All right, anyway, uh, I'm, I'm kind of tangenting off of my point. Uh, I'll speak with you all later. Uh, have a good day.